Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America. Hey, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, we are going to have some fun today. Whimsy is the uh, word of the day. I got another couple words for you I'm going to share in just a second. And uh, maybe broaden your vocabulary just a tad bit. You know, we've talked about this before uh, on other programs. Uh, quirky, odd roadside attractions. Uh, places that really add a bit of fun and zest and some uh smile inducing memories uh in the years that uh pass after the road trip places like uh uranus fudge company and uh and uh, general store in uh near lebanon missouri or in their second location near anderson indiana uh juvenile humor as you can imagine and then but they've got a circus sideshow museum miniature golf and just zany quirky things uh, we've talked a little bit about this before, but we're going to get into this a little deeper today and share some other places like uh, Mammy's Cupboard. And, and uh, well, let's uh, <clears throat> give a shout out to, of course, to Joe and Woody and the boys of the Road Crew, roadcrew66.com. And uh, the word we're going to be talking about here is mimetic architecture. Are you familiar with the word mimetic architecture? It's also known as uh, novelty architecture. It was really popularized. It's kind of a, a unique form. It's not exclusively United States, but uh, like the automobile and so on, many other things, we made it our own and we perfected it. And it was extremely popular in the first 50 to 60 years of the 20th century to make a business stand out. They came up with novelty architecture, fancy term, mimetic architecture. We're gonna talk more about that. And uh, we're also gonna to talk to you about uh, towns who have taken, who've created attractions out of uh, thin air, milking a, making a silks purse out of a sow's ear, so to speak. Uh, how about Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz? Do you know where you can go to experience the Wizard of Oz? Well, it's liberal Kansas. Uh, liberal in 1981, they took, uh, they were trying to figure out a way to put their town on the map. And they took an old uh, rundown small farmhouse outside of town. They hauled it into a site, and all of a sudden, they christened it as Dorothy's house. Kind of looked like the one in the movie. And then they put in uh, pathways with yellow bricks. And uh just gets weirder and weirder. And uh, then they moved in a cute-as-button girl's dress as movie Dorothy's. And they set them up as guides for the tour. 
Of course, the tour starts in the gift shop, which shows the film gone, uh, the uh, film uh, Wizard of Oz on a continuous loop. They sell things like uh, rubies, slippers, snow globes, and uh, foam yellow bricks. And outside your tour guide, Dorothy will flick a hidden switch and follow the yellow brick road with the munchkins begins blaring from the speakers. Uh, life-size versions of the Scarecrow and Tin Man. Uh, the, the Tin Man was built by uh, discarded uh, air conditioning ducts and other components by a local uh, class at the community college. And then you go to Dorothy's house and they show you the cream separator and all the things they have there at the house. It's pretty interesting. And walk through dioramas of the film. Uh, you got to see it to believe it. And downtown, there's a bronze statue of Dorothy and uh, Toto. That's one of the great uh, overlooked fun roadside attractions that we were, you know, you just, you know, it's a sucker's bet, but you just got to do it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's just fun. That's all. Uh, you know, other things too, people have built roadside attractions, capitalizing on people's curiosity, uh, tapped into that, the allure, baiting the hook, if you will. Americans' fascination with unsolved mysteries, you know, it dates back to at least the time of the lost colonist, colonist of Roanoke Island. But larger-than-life icons and legends are such an integral part of our national identity, it's almost impossible to imagine America without Paul Bunyan, Pecos Bill, Daniel Boone, or, or even Davy Crockett. Well, enterprising event, individuals such as P.T. Barnum, they've often found ways to profit from the fascination. And the advent of the automobile raised these endeavors to the level of an art form and made it possible for even the most remote community to capitalize. Uh, well, take uh, Rachel, Nevada. Population somewhere around 100, plus or minus 5 or 10. It's in the middle of the desert, close to an area known as Area 51, a secret government base. It was originally used as a training strip for flyers based at Nellis Air Force Base during World War II, and then it became a super secretive military installation, made just ideal for conspiracy theories and mystery. And over the years, it's been known as Groom Lake, Dreamland, Nevada Test Site, Paradise Ranch, the Pig Farm, on and on and on. And of course, the rumors that the government is using the base for the evaluation of recovered UFOs. Well, 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 well. What can we say about that? Well, Rachel has done nothing to discourage these rumors. In fact, they have capitalized them. The social center of the town is the little alien alien. Yeah, play on words. It's spelled A and then L-E-I-N-N. It's a combination cafe, bar, and small motel. 
And it's a UFO information center, complete with photograph-covered walls and a library filled with volumes of books on conspiracy theories about USOs. And, of course, a souvenir shop. That's the real cash cow in Rachel, Nevada. And even the state of Nevada has kind of jumped on the bandwagon. It recognized the potential for using this fascination with things from another world to attract tourist dollars to a remote area of the state. So in 1996, with great fanfare, State Route 375 was officially designated the Extraterrestrial Highway. Well, in a world of roadside attractions, where at one time it seemed as though P.T. Barnum had established sideshows at every wide spot in the road, curiosity is the ultimate reason travelers decide to stop and take a look. One such attraction which used a purposely vague advertising campaign as its theme is The Thing along Interstate 10 in southern Arizona. The original site was in the remote access of the Mojave Desert in California. For miles, billboards offered simple slogans like, The Thing, What Is It? and Mystery of the Desert, all to pique travelers' interest. And countless numbers of those travelers just can't resist. So they take a detour, pry open their wallet, and pay a few bucks to discover what The Thing is. You know, just how many people have stopped and how many people have paid for a peak is a carefully guarded secret. But um, some of the other exhibits on display hint that it's probably been pretty profitable for the owners. Uh, recent exhibits include vintage Rolls Royces, matchlock rifles, things of that nature. You know, we talked about that mimetic architecture. Uh down along Highway 61 near Natchez, Mississippi. I, I don't know what the building is used for at this time. I did not do my homework on that, and I do apologize. But standing along the road for more than 60 years is uh, a unique example of unconventional architecture. It was originally opened as Mammy's Cupboard. It's a 35-foot-high concrete stereotypical pre-Civil War black mammy. For more than 60 years, she stood there as a landmark, complete with earrings made out of horseshoes and a red brick hoop skirt punctuated with arched windows. Over the years, Mammy's Cupboard had started out as a restaurant, but it served as, uh, oh gosh, in between periods of abandonment, a gas station, uh, antique stores, secondhand shops, all kinds of things. Kind of a roadside oddity of note. There's Lucy, uh, the only elephant in the world you can walk through and come out alive. That was the advertisement. Uh, <laughs> the completed project was a wonder. More than a you know, million pieces of wood were shaped into an intricate array of curves that function as load supports for the estimated 90-ton structure. And then the outer surface was constructed of hammered tin. And uh, two more of these giant elephants were built. One was the Elephantine Colossus in the center of Coney Island. It stood 12 stories high, 
twice as high as the only one that survives, Lucy, along the uh, New Jersey, Margate, New Jersey, along the shore. Lots and lots of things to see along the highways of America. You know, liberal Kansas, like I say, with its uh, uh, capitalizing on Dorothy and Toto and the Wizard of Oz. You know, it's not alone. Rachel, Nevada. There's lots of these places along the road. And you know, you need to make time in your schedule. And it goes back to just enjoying the ride. Uh, Animals were not the only choice for people who chose to build larger-than-life models of everyday objects for their roadside establishments or as monuments to their success. Uh, I'll tell you another one that's pretty interesting. This is in Hellam, Pennsylvania. Uh, Malone Haynes, Malone Haynes, he was a shoe magnet. He was the shoe guru, if you will. For decades, uh, he made himself a multimillionaire many times over with shoes. So when it came time to build a home for him and his family, something really noticeable and special, well, what do you think he did? Well, he built his house in the shape of a giant shoe back in 1948. The house is 48 feet long, 17 feet wide, and 25 feet high at the rear of the shoe. Three bedrooms, two bathrooms, kitchen, and a living room on five staggered levels. The garage was built into the instep. That is was my last checking. Was it was an ice cream parlor? Kind of interesting. And there's a shoe theme evident throughout the whole place. The stainless stained glass window in the front door features Haynes holding a shoe in each hand with a sign that reads, "Haynes, the shoe wizard." And for the children. There's a shoe-shaped sandbox. And for the dog, there's a miniature shoe-shaped house. The fence, well, you guessed it, it features shoe-shaped cutouts. You know, probably, if that's not strange enough, one of the more interesting things about the Haynes house, he never lived in it. Instead, he offered it to elderly couples and employees for all-expense-paid weekend getaways. And after his death in 1962, the house became a combination private residence, ice cream stand, souvenir shop. And, uh, well, there it is. Another roadside oddity. Of course, for Route 66 fans, you have the Cadillac Ranch. Hmm. I've never quite understood that. The cars, some of them were almost drivable. They were complete cars when uh, they were stuck in the ground as kind of an homage to Stonehenge. Uh, that's one of those things, though, it's, it's morphed into a major destination for Route 66 travelers. And interestingly enough, it's not on Route 66. It's just outside of Amarillo. While we're talking about that, you know, uh, the second most visited Route 66 attraction in Amarillo is the Big Texan Steak Ranch. And even though it was originally on Route 66, It's not on Route 66 today, and yet it remains popular. Does uh, anybody, any of our guests today, have uh, quirky roadside uh, places they would like to share with us? I'm always game to hear about places that I can add to my list of attractions to see when I'm on the road. Places like south of the border, 
I guess south of the border has been uh, a little down at the heels lately, but it was a real innovative idea. Uh, when it came into being, this is down in the Carolinas, wanting to capitalize on the romanticized perception of an event or place. That's always been an incentive to promote. We have places that have miniature versions of the Alamo. Uh, we've got miniature golf courses uh, that uh, outlined Tombstone, Arizona, with a culminate with the OK Corral. Uh, an entire highway, Route 66, really is a symbol of Americana. It's become a, a string of living time capsules and quirky attractions. But, you know, here in the modern politically correct era, we become more than thin-skinned. And as a result, attractions with an ethnic flair are not viewed favorably. And because of that, eh, possibly correct, Sambos and other establishments have faded into obscurity. Uh, Alan Schaefer's South of the Border located along I-95, just south of the uh, North Carolina border in South Carolina. As so many legends do, the story of South of the Border begins simply enough. In 1950, Schaefer opened a small roadside beer and bait stand at this location. As increased businesses necessitated expansion, he ordered supplies that were delivered addressed to Schaefer Project south of the border. Well, with an uncanny ability to spot opportunity, Schaefer decided to give his attraction a Mexican theme. He renamed it South of the Border, and he began importing all kinds of souvenirs. Today, Schaefer's brainchild has morphed into a complete tourist complex. I should say it had. It's, uh, my understanding is it has kind of faded a tad bit. But uh, at its zenith, it was a unique blend of cartoon-like stereotypical Mexican and old Mexican and old Dixie themes. 97 foot Pedro billed as the largest freestanding sign east of the Mississippi River served as the entrance. And inside there were 14 different gift shops, a miniature golf course. Uh, one was called Golf of Mexico. Pedro's Rocket City, a huge fireworks shop, the Sombrero Room restaurant and Pedro's Southern Fried Chicken restaurant. There was a 300-row motel, an RV park, Pedro's Pleasure Dome with an indoor pool, steam room, jacuzzi, bar, and wedding chapel. There was the L Drugstore and the dirty old man shop for adults only. Pedro Land Park with a 200-foot-high tower topped by a colorful sombrero with visitors can stroll around the rim to view the countryside. Mexican speak billboards were the first thing to go. There were once over 250 of these scattered all along the highway between New Jersey and Florida. They've been replaced with more politically correct versions. Hey, I hope uh, this is just a kind of an introduction, if you will, to, to great uh, frosting on the cake, if you will for road trip enthusiast. Uh, if you've got any ideas, some roadside attractions, uh, gosh, send me a note. I'd sure like to hear about them. 
I, I've uh, been fascinated with these things for a long time. And uh, I think I had a deprived childhood is part of the problem. When I was a kid, road trips we enjoyed uh, being kids. We camped along the road and did things. But we never stopped at these quirky attractions. My dad had a place to be usually. And second of all, money was pretty tight. And so we didn't uh, we didn't do these things. I've made up for it since then. Uh, our other program, our new podcast, being developed with uh, Stan Husted as producer. Stan has a long track record. Still got a few little burrs to wear off, but I think it's a pretty professional, well-done program overall. Uh, you can find it and this program, Coffee with Jim, on Spotify. Uh, Car Talk from the Main Street of America is a uh, automotive-themed program. We talk about uh, automotive history, lots of trivia. We talk about uh, inspirational people that transformed the auto industry. And uh, well, like a recent program, we talked about the past, the possible future of electric vehicles. It's kind of a fun uh, whirlwind program, usually about 15 to 20 minutes. And uh, I think you might enjoy that as well. With this program, we try to focus on travel. We do this program live so it can be interactive. And Car Talk from the Main Street of America is a recorded program. You can find information about all of our programs, all of our presentations on our website, jimhinkleysamerica.com. That is being updated constantly. We are adding all kinds of information. Uh, lately on the website, we have added a section for blogs that we recommend, travel blogs, blogs of interest. We are creating a whole section uh, dedicated to what we're talking about today. Uh, Jim Hinckley's America recommended attractions, sites, museums, restaurants, and lodging options. Uh, all kinds of new things happening. Still haven't resolved Facebook, but, oh, well, we go on and we do other things. I want to thank everybody for joining us this morning. And uh, one roadside attraction or two that I really need to mention to you. One is the iconic Wagon Wheel Motel in Cuba, Missouri. This is the oldest continuously operated motel on Route 66, dating to the mid-30s. But it's more than just a motel and gift shop. It's the very essence of the Route 66 experience made manifest. Connie Eccles is a great host. And a little farther to the west, we have the Roadrunner Lodge in Tucumcari, New Mexico. And David Brenner has done about the same thing. He has created a living time capsule. He has preserved the world of Roadside America 1964, with, but with an overlay of the amenities we have come to expect today. And uh, David is a great host. Another great recommended place for you. Well, my friends, uh, do we have any questions before we leave? Anything I can answer for you? I will... Uh, then I will wrap this up with a little bit of music from the road crew. Hope to see you on the road. Uh, if you happen to be in Kingman, Arizona, on the evening of May 24th, 5.30 in the evening, open to the public, uh, the Route 66 Association of Kingman, Arizona, is hosting their monthly meet and greet down at Floyd & Company on Beale Street, one block off Route 66. 
always a lot of fun. Well, mi amigos, until we meet again, uh, take care. We'll talk soon. Uh, invite your friends. Join us on Sunday morning. We'll have a little fun. And take a listen to uh, our other podcast and our programs that are being archived on Spotify. Also available on other platforms, of course, iHeartRadio, most major podcast platforms. Leave a review, share a link. Sure appreciate it. Become a follower. My friends, take care. Adios and vaya con Dios. Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America.